E-Tidings Cosmos Good morning, 21st century world of worlds. This is Radio Richard Ireland, coming to you from within the soundproofless studio of life itself. Thomila Falcher Rotenshaw I am your host, Richard McSweeney. Hear this, listener, give it here your fullness of ear. From the beginning there is breath, and upon that breath there are words. While walking through a department store, and I well accustomed to having my ears ever so finely tuned to pick up sound bites of conversation, I happened to hear a woman on her mobile phone say, You have to pray every day because the notes get clogged up in the chimney flue. Honestly, I had no idea what she meant by it, and still don't. Every now and then, as I'm either walking along or standing still, I hear phrases or sentences, particularly in telephone conversations, which, though they make a great deal of sense to the speaker, and most likely too to the person on the receiving end, they often leave me baffled. The aforementioned sentence would be such in kind. It caused me to put forth detached images for my consideration, but I have been unable thus far to bring them together into a harmonious unity of images and thought, which would go some ways to making sense of it. Having said that, I know, making no sense at all phrases and sentences, to have a charm all of their own, have a power to put me thinking in ways I might not have considered otherwise. A frustrated mother in a shop, with probably a self-imposed time constraint, and with holding up two fingers to her seemingly ever so bored eight- or nine-year-old daughter, emphatically said, Listen! Listen, look at my two fingers. You've got three choices, okay? One, you can go over there by the escalator and wait for me. Or two, you can remain here with me. And three, uh, well, three is the same as two, okay? Have I made myself crystal clear? Needless to say, the enlightened daughter intuitively knew what best to do. In today's broadcast, I'll be reading some more from Prince Hamlet on the nature of things and the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. This is a reading from Prince Hamlet. Shall we to the court? For by my fay I cannot reason. We'll wait upon you. No such matter. I will not sort you with the rest of my servants, for to speak to you like an honest man, I am most dreadfully attended. But in the beaten way of friendship, what makes you at Elsinore? To visit you, my lord, no other occasion. Beggar than I am. I am even poor in thanks, but I thank you, and sure, dear friends, my thanks are too dear a halfpenny. Were you not sent for? Is it your own inclining? Is it a free visitation? Come, deal justly with me. Come, come, nay, speak. What should we say, my lord? 
Why, anything but to the purpose you were sent for, and there is a kind of confession in your looks which your modesties have not craft enough to colour. I know the good king and queen have sent for you. To what end, my lord? That you must teach me. But let me conjure you by the rights of our fellowship, by the consonancy of our youth, by the obligation of our ever-preserved love, and by what more dear or better prosper would charge you with all, be even and direct with me whether you were sent for or no. What say you? Nay, then I have an eye of, an eye of you. If you love me, hold not off. My lord, we were sent for. I will tell you why. So shall my anticipation prevent your discovery, and your secrecy to the king and queen molt no feather. I have of late, but wherefore I know not, lost all my mirth, forgone all custom of exercises, and indeed it goes so heavily with my disposition that this goodly frame, the earth, seems to me a sterile promontory. This most excellent canopy, the air, look you, this brave overhanging firmament, this majestical roof fretted with golden fire, why, it appears no other thing to me than a foul and pestilent congregation of vapours. What a piece of work is a man! How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable, in action how like an angel, in apprehension how like a god, the beauty of the world, the paragon of animals! And yet, to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me, no, nor woman neither, though by your smiling you seem to say so. My lord, there was no such stuff in my thoughts. Why did you laugh then when I said, Man delights not men, not me? To think, my lord, if you delight not in man, what Lenten entertainment the players shall receive from you? We quoted them on the way, and hither are they coming to offer you service. He that plays the king shall be welcome. His majesty shall have tribute to, of me. The adventurous knight shall use his foil and target. The lover shall not uh, sigh gratis. The humorous man shall end his part in peace. The clown shall make those laugh whose lungs are tickled, or, or the sire. And the lady shall say her mind freely, or the blank verse shall, uh, shall halt forward. What players are they? even those you were wont to take delight in, the tragedians of the city. How chances it their travel, their residence both in reputation and profit, uh, was better, better both ways? I think their inhibition comes by the means of late innovation. Do they hold the same estimation they did when I was in the city? Are they so followed? No, indeed they are not. How comes it? Do they grow rusty? Nay, their endeavour keeps it in the wanton pace, but there is, sir, an area of children, little essays that cry out on the top of question, and are most tyrannically clapped for. These are now the fashion, and so be rattled the common stages, so they call them, that many wearing rapiers are afraid of goose-quills, and dare scarce come hither, scarce come hither. What, are they children? Who maintains them? How are they escorted? Will they pursue the quality no longer than they can sing? Will they not say afterwards, if they should grow themselves to common players, as it is most like, if their means are no better, their writers do them wrong, to make them exclaim against their own succession? Faith, there has been much to do on both sides, and the nation holds it no sin to tar them to controversy. 
There was for a while no money bid, no argument, unless the poet and the player went to cuffs in the question. Is it possible? Oh, there has been much throwing about of brains. Do the boys carry it away? Ay, that they do, my lord, Hercules and his load too. It is not very strange. Uh, for mine uncle is king of Denmark, and those that would make mouths at him uh, while my father lived give twenty, forty, fifty, a hundred tickets apiece for his picture and little. So blood, there's something in this more than natural, if philosophy could find it out. This is a reading in continuity from the first century B.C. poem on the nature of things by the Roman poet and philosopher Titus Lucretius Carus. Now, let us also take for scrutiny the homomeria of Anaxagoras, so called by the Greeks, for which our pauper's speech yielded no name in the Italian tongue, although the thing itself is not or hard for explanation. First, then, when he speaks of this homomeria of things, he thinks bones to be sprung from littlest bones minute, and from minute the littlest flesh, all flesh, and blood created out of drops of blood, conceiving gold compact of grains of gold, and earth concreated out of bits of earth, fire made of fires and water out of waters, feigning the like with all the rest of stuff. Yet he conceives not any void in things, nor any limit to cutting bodies down. Wherefore to me he seems on both accounts to err no less than those we named before. Add to these germs he feigns are far too frail, if they be germs primordial furnished forth, with but same nature as the things themselves, and travail and perish, perish equally with those, and no rain curbs them from an annihilation. For which will last against the grip and crush under the teeth of death? The fire, the moist, or else the air? Which then, the blood, the bones? No one may thinks, when everything will be at bottom as mortal as whatever we mark to perish by force before our gazing eyes. This is an interpretation, after my own fashioning, of some lines from the true classic of Southern Taoist fragments. No three-star visitor spoke to me, saying, Humaculate of error, what stories, what anecdotes, what insights do you bring to this new dawn? There was a young wife in the back of days who put this question to her young husband, saying, Am I a dream of yours, you a dream of mine? And he answered by saying, How would I know that? And she said, Sometimes I have the feeling that I am either dreaming my own life or I am the dream of someone else's. And seeing that we love each other and are married to each other, I began to reason thus, that perhaps we are dreaming each other. You are dreaming me, and I am dreaming you. Then the husband said, We could very well be someone else's dream too. And she said, But then, why would anyone else be dreaming us? And he answered with, Why wouldn't they? For aren't we wondrously fashioned, bright in mind and heart, 
great in health, and ever so charming in appearance. I suppose, she said, that would make sense all right. Then he said, I wonder if the valley hereabout, the hills over the way, even the clouds and the sun were somehow someone else's dream, even dreams of ours. Maybe they are, she said. But how might we be able to find out that for sure? For instance, when in bed next to you at night, I sometimes find myself to be within my own dreams, along with a me of a me, who is the primary subject of the dream. And not alone that, but I am even going as far as interpreting the dream from within the dream itself. So during the day, when I am supposedly awake, I am all the time interpreting the reality about me, including myself. So it is that I think my life is a dream, in which I am concurrently attempting to make sense of it. And they decided to leave looking at things like that for the time being. They said to themselves that who knows, in the springtime of their olden days, there would be someone who will be able to explain all these things to them, and that they, with receiving a convincing explanation, will most likely be wondering how come they couldn't see things like that when they were young. In a dawn reverie of this new day, meditated I on what an immortal self of mine did say, did lovingly relay way back in days of long, long, long gone by. O mortal self of mine, when with living in your own realm and time, you will not let your thoughts become captives of time, neither will you let them to dwell in its state-of-the-art confinements, in the temporary, in the permanent. All right, I will leave it at that for today. Enjoy taking very good care of yourself and those around you. Be ever so grateful for your many blessings. And spare a thought, too, for peoples living in faraway places, in all different kinds of situations, often very difficult and not at all of their own making. You have been listening to an Irish philosopher of the natural kind bringing radio to the Internet via Radio Richard Ireland, on the air globally for about 15 minutes Monday to Friday, and occasionally on the weekends. It is truly an honor to have your listening. May you be a blessing unto yourself, by way of your past, by way of your present, and by way of your future. Sloan August Banakt Lat.